Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in to A Dose of Buffo. I'm your host, Dan Buffa, and we got a special show for you today. And now, of course, this is not a show that comes on every week. It's pretty much whenever I think about having somebody on to talk with, you know, just, uh, you know, it could be Adam Simon, a screenwriter. It could be Patty McKinley, a director. Uh, but this week we're going to have Camel V, news anchor, former sports guy, former voice of the St. Louis Rams, Steve Savard. And we're going to discuss, you know, probably a little bit of that Super Bowl that's going to happen in two weeks between two teams that hold a special meaning to St. Louis football fans. We're also going to be discussing maybe some movies and, you know, some Cardinals, some Blues, and other stuff. But we're going to get Steve on the air here and get this thing fired away. Steve. Yes. All right. I, I, always, I always have a hesitation if it's actually going to connect the person on the line and then it's just going to be silence for like the next like five minutes. So I always have to do Understood. checking, sure, checking I get it. testing. Steve, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. How about you, Dan? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, more snow on the streets here in St. Louis, which is just kind of makes the, the streets out there kind of a big hockey rink, which is nah, not too good, but it, it, at least it's nice to look at, right? Yeah, well, if it were back in the days where I actually could get a day off from school, and the first thing we did on snow days when it was cold <laughs> enough and the ponds were frozen is we headed out. My sister and brother and I and other neighborhood kids would put the skates on, get the get the hockey nets, get all our equipment, and we literally would be out on a pond playing hockey all day long until Mom yelled at us to come in, have something to eat, go back out, finish until it was dark. Those were the those were the days. That's how we spent the days in the seventies on on great snow days in St. Louis, and we used to get a lot more cold weather and more snow back when I was a kid. So those are good memories. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, hey, I, I came in, I came into the world in, in the blizzard of '82, so I brought Is all that the right? snow with me. Wow. Yeah, February third, '82. I, I hear about every birthday. My mom and dad go, you know, in order to get to the hospital, we had to climb over two two feet of snow. It's like, well, sorry for the trouble. I mean, I couldn't <laughs> well, wait a little that was, while. <laughs> that was no exaggeration. All of us who lived through it, I was actually stuck on a recruiting visit in. Um, taking a football recruiting visit at, at then Southwest Missouri State. Now it's Missouri State. But uh, it wasn't exactly a terrible thing for a high school kid to get stuck on a college campus for three days. But I made the best of it. Oh, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you taking the time to come on uh, the podcast here. I know this is not like, a, you know, uh, the Daily Show or, you know, the, the, the you know late-night show. I'm, I'm not Jimmy Fallon, unfortunately. But uh, I just like to have interesting people on my podcast. I've I, you know, I, I've always, I, I've been watching you since I was a kid. I, I've been, you know, you've always been one of my heroes. So to have you come on uh, the podcast, I know I had you on my Daybreak Dose, my extremely early show uh, a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. But uh, I appreciate you coming on. I, I know you're a busy guy, but I've been wanting to get you on here just to just kind of, you know, shoot the breeze and, you know, see what happens. But I appreciate you come, taking the time. Well, I'm happy to help, Dan. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right, so we, we, we really can't get into the conversation too far without mentioning what happened last night in a certain football game. Uh, it has uh, set the St. Louis and pretty much the whole sports world back on, on its feet. Uh, the Rams and the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl, and normally if you if we flash back you know, over 
three years, you know, three, three, four years ago, it'd be elation here in, in St. Louis, but it's not, it's weird for me. I put it out there last night on social media that, you know, 17 years ago, if this was the case, it'd be great. But now we might find St. Louis football fans could find themselves rooting for Tom Brady. Steve, how did we get here? Well, uh, I'm not going to go back through the sordid history of the Rams departing. I think we've all been through that. But, you know, oh, yeah. the Rams are where they are because they made a very shrewd hire in Sean McVay. I mean, you know, from afar, I have a lot of friends still left in that organization, so I'm not terribly unhappy unhappy for them. Um, I still can't root for the Rams. I, I find myself – I think I'm pretty well adjusted and moved on. But um, I have watched Sean McVay from the very first preseason game – in 20, August of 2017, and thought to myself, this guy's had a uh, pretty profound, quick impact. I had no idea it would be this good, be this quick. But really, that was a genius hire. And then he turned around and, and made a couple of other very good hires, like Wade Phillips on defense and, and as a sounding board for a young, at the time, 31-year-old head coach. So, you know, you can say this and that, and we know the history of, of poor decision-making by the Rams in St. Louis. But it was a stroke of genius yeah. not to rule out Sean McVay simply because he's 31. And, Dan, I'm a guy that I hate when people label somebody as too this, too that. He's too young or he's too old. Yeah. He's too slow. Yeah. London Fletcher was too short to play in the NFL. I watched London Fletcher for three days at training camp, and I called the boys back in the sports department at Channel 4, and I said, yeah. look, I don't know if he makes this team, but this guy will be playing NFL football for 10 years. That's just an example of it. Don't rule somebody out because of your, the limitations you put on them. And Mike March taught me yeah. that a long time ago about the NFL. Is that don't don't let somebody else tell you about your personnel or your coaches that they can't do this. You decide for yourself. And Sean McVay's done an unbelievable job. So it's really the young, up and coming, thirty-two or thirty-three year old head coach versus. I think we all have to just get over it and say at this point, Bill Belichick is the best head coach in the history of of the NFL. I mean, eight straight conference oh, yeah. championships, and now he's got a chance to win a sixth Super Bowl. That's unheard of, and he does it with largely with – he's got a couple of superstars, and the rest are good players or even cast-offs that he gets the best out of. Oh, for sure. And really, you know, you talk about don't labeling somebody. Look at Drew Brees. They said that he was, you know, what, too short and then shoulder injury and you're going to be nothing, and now he may be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, even with what happened yesterday. Uh, you know, I think – I think the whole labeling thing, I think people do that because I think they attach themselves to history and what should be instead of what could be. That's a good way to look at it. I haven't thought about it in those terms, but that's that's exactly right. And Drew Brees is another example. For me, he's top five or six all time. What he's done is remarkable. Yeah, well, yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned the height, but, you know, nobody had come back at that position from, an, from a shoulder injury like he suffered. And um, he believed in himself. He and Sean Payton have really turned out, you know, the, the the two long-term relationships here that are pretty amazing are Belichick and Brady, although that's not really offense to offense. That's a little bit apples to oranges. But Sean mm-hmm. Payton and Drew Brees have been in harmony here for, what, 12 years, whatever it is? Yeah, uh, a while, 13, yeah. maybe longer than that, 14. And it's been a pretty remarkable relationship. Although I would say this, you know, I, <laughs> I watched the Super Bowl loss, Splinter of the Rams, um, you know, that loss to the Patriots in New Orleans, the Rams franchise never recovered. And the splintering that went on in the front office was never repaired. 
Sean Payton said something yesterday that kind of brought me back to that and said, you know, that's the kind, this is the kind of call, the devastating call that we may not recover from. And I think there's some truth in that. We'll see. I mean, that's, that's two heartbreaks for them in a row in the postseason. But this one is really different. The other one was self-induced in, in you know, you, don't, you can't blame an outside source. Guy made a poor decision against the Vikings the year before, and it cost him. But yeah. this was really taken out of their hands. So we'll see how they respond, but it's going to be a long off season in New Orleans. It is, and you know, I mean, I'm not a, an NFL referee, but you know, you, you look at that at that replay, and there was just, I mean, I, I watched the, you know, I watched the game on replay. I, I was at the the Hyatt yesterday doing the warm up with the Cardinals, and and I go, look, man, that's just a blatant miss, and it's just you, you know, in the world of sports. I mean, I mean, how long do you? I mean, is this thing gonna? I mean, what's the scarring tissue like with this kind of memory, knowing that you were that close to being in the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, I I think there's, you know, legitimate concerns to how you bounce back. I mean, I think leadership is there. I think Drew Brees will be ready to roll. He'll be 40 years old of next course, year, but yeah. I, I, don't see, I don't see him slowing down. But um, I, I just, going back to the call, I think what's I'm reading today that the NFL, you know, Bill Belichick has been pushing for this for a while. He says every play should be reviewable. Don't take anything off the table. You don't you don't course, add yeah. to reviews. Um, but every play should be theoretically you have the ability to look at and say, hey, wait a minute. Um, so that's something they might consider. I just, you know, I'm one of those guys that I realize that things happen at a very high rate of speed in the National Football League, and I try not to um, overreact. I've watched six different angles, including one from upstairs in the upper bowl today. And I just don't know how in the world you don't understand that's pass interference. The uh, yeah. uh, the Rams defensive back was saying that he heard the the official say that the, he thought the ball might have been tipped. Well, in that situation, <laughs> you throw the flag, and then you pick it up when you have a discussion. That goes on all the time. When a ball is tipped, somebody overrules somebody oh, sure. else you can confer you can confer with the head linesman the umpire the referee who are closer to play see if the ball is tipped then you pick up the flag and say no pass interference but th- that's that's got to be flagged it's just got to be flagged of course and you know moving into the there's something else kind of made headlines in st louis uh, this weekend there was a big topic at the warm-up was that uh you know baseball in st louis is just it's it's kind of a, the, the the sports cathedral here in in the midwest and Chris Bryant uh, was speaking to Ryan Dempster the other night on a, I think the Cubs version of their warm up. They have a little get together, and he called the St. Louis boring. And of course, that led all the media, everybody to ask, you know, Mike Schilt, and uh, you, you know, I guess Yachty was doing his thing today. But everybody had their response. Yachty or Molina's response was very, uh, very Yachty. Uh, what is your take on? On Molina's response, I think it was a very predictable response from the most passionate guy in the Cardinals organization, but everybody's had their take on it, Brian's comments, and uh, Yadier Molina's response. Well, I think that's, you know, Yadi that he's even, if it's possible, he's endeared himself to Cardinals fans even more. Um, I'm one of those guys that doesn't really try to be the opinion police, and you know, I love this town. I love my hometown. I've chosen to live here for the last 25 years. And, um, you know, I'm biased. I grew up here. But I know that it's not everyone's cup of tea. And um, if Chris Bryant wants to, you know, I'm, I wouldn't challenge him publicly. He's entitled to his opinion. 
but I think it became I think it became a bigger issue than it would have because of Yadier Molina's response. And I commend the guy for having yeah. St. Louis's back. I mean, he is uh, the day that he retires, they're going to throw him a party in this town that will be enormous, and he will have deserved it. But um, again, you know, normally I, I read ten times I read things that are ten times worse than that every twenty minutes on Twitter. You know what I mean? So we're in an opinion society. We're in this and that. So Chris Bryant doesn't want to play here. That's okay. We don't have to like him. We can boo him. And I'm sure he'll get the hell boot out of him uh, every time he's at the plate here in St. Louis. And I'm sure he's (laughs) he's ready for that. But, you know, I don't don't think what he did is uh, is, – I don't think we're going to lock him up and put him in jail, send him to prison. He's entitled to his opinion, but I think – I think Yadier Molina's response kind of galvanized uh, St. Louis for the weekend, and I think it was it was fun to watch. I think it was almost like uh, the the oven had been turned on with the Cardinals and Cubs in 2019, and I think right. Bryant and Yadier are like, hey, I, I think we should fire this thing up, put it in like 480, and just let it get really hot, and then. May 3rd comes around, and Wrigley Field is going to be jam-packed. And then May 31st, Bush Stadium is going to be jam-packed. I think it's great. I think that uh, there was a guy who wrote a piece today for the Chicago, uh, the Sun-Times in Chicago, Steve Greenberg, and he just said, look, I lived in St. Louis for 17 years, and it's great, but I just think this is great theater, is what he kind of said. Yeah, I think it's, it is, too. I think it, I think it, and, you know, Dempster said that Dempster weighed in, too. And, and said it a couple is, of things yeah. too, but you know, um, you know, I I think it's going to play out. I think, like you said, it adds a little bit of of, of preseason juice to the Cardinals Cubs rivalry, <laughs> and if the Cardinals are, um, you know, that much improved, like I think they will be in 2019, then you know, hopefully, you know, we will provide a challenge to the Cubs, maybe the Brewers in the division, and it'd be nice to win the division again. But you know, winning's the bottom line. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but there are far far more people who have come to St. Louis, played in St. Louis, been a visitor in St. Louis in, in a game of baseball that say nice things than say bad things about this town. So that that's what I hold on to. Exactly, and, and I, I always I've always thought that I think you have to live in a place to really have an opinion. Obviously, Chris Bryant hasn't lived here. Like my my thing is, I lived in Arkansas for two years, and I I thought I was you know, I was in Witsec. And I wanted to come back to St. Louis so bad. And I, I think that I, I guess living there for a couple of years, I can say that about Arkansas. But if I had just been there for a, a couple of series, I couldn't really say that. So I think I think it's more of a shot. And uh, I, I agree with you, though. I think it's, it's Yachty just being Yachty. But uh, you know, talking about the Cardinals this year, really quickly, you know, you get a guy like Paul Goldschmidt. I think this is the, the guy that – the first guy that we the Cardinals have had since maybe Pujols for you, he, he creates kind of a wow factor around the team, and he made his appearance this weekend. What was your reaction to getting this guy, even if just for a year, getting a guy like Paul Goldschmidt? He plays first base, of course. He just seems like a like Captain America coming in the Midwest. Well, that's a good way to describe it. I don't see there's any downside to it, and um, I, I personally believe that he'll be here long term. This is the Cardinals' M.O., they haven't done this in a while, but this is what they used to do with McGuire. Then it was uh, Edmonds. It was, uh, you know, Matt Holliday. Before that, it was Scott Rowland. Yeah. Trade and then sign. Trade. And a couple of things here. I think the Cardinals know are, are fully ready to make an offer that's commensurate with Goldschmidt's ability. 
And I also think they're counting on Goldschmidt getting here and then really enjoying the atmosphere and really enjoying the town and playing in front of the fans at Bush Stadium. I think the Cardinals fully expect Paul Goldschmidt to be here beyond 2019, and so do I. Um, and so, you know, a lot's been made about Bryce Harper, this and that. In in my perfect world, I, th- I think Goldschmidt right now makes the Cardinals, if, if pitching holds up, I think Goldschmidt right now makes the Cardinals good enough to contend again. But Long-term plans, here's what I love to see in my perfect world, and I said this before they signed Goldschmidt, was you sign Goldschmidt here, you get him, and then a year a year from now you go get Arenado. And now you've got two uh, five-tool guys, two guys that play great defense, two guys that are great sluggers. If you build your team around that with the pieces already here, Ozuna bounces back, you got Bader playing center field, whatever happens in right, but DeYoung stays healthy. Um, Wong continues to play at a gold glove level at second base, then I think you really are set up for the future. So I know it's, it, at this point it's a little bit pie-in-the-sky dream, but I love the Goldschmidt's here, and I'd love to see him go make a play for Arenado next. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely him being, showing the bold streak that they, uh, they promised because I think that's what the Cardinals do. They're not interested in just kind of being an 86-win team. They want to get back in there and I think the tide is, is definitely turning. But, you know, switching gears, you know, of course, this is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I think it means different, something different to everybody. I think if there's ever somebody that we could just bring back from the dead, bring back from the past, and help out the current world, it'd be, it'd be that guy. And so I wanted to ask you, like, really switching gears here, of course, right? we just turned the corner. But uh, what does this day mean to you? What did he mean to you? Just as you know, as an adult male trying to you know just just to live in this in this modern world where people are kind of same those especially with all the violence. But what does he mean to you even today? Well, I mean, he was assassinated when I was a young kid, so I, I couldn't fully grasp everything. Um, but my, my parents, uh, it, it was a topic of discussion in my house from time to time. And um, look, he tried to make the world a better place, and. Uh, you know, we were only 50 years removed from parts of this country um, where we had we had laws that were legally segregating people based on the color of their skin. I mean, we're not that far removed. I'm always intrigued by the stories when I go back. I've always been a big Celtics fan. I grew up, my dad used to tell me about the Bill Russell-led Celtics and how great Bill Russell was and how great the Celtics were. And I, I became a fan uh, of the Celtics myself in the 70s uh, when I realized that in the early 70s when JoJo Scott uh, St. Louis, Jojo White rather was uh, St. Louis and was from was uh, helping lead the Celtics to that title in '74 with uh, the Cowans and um, mm-hmm. and and uh, Havlicek teams, and then when they drafted Larry Bird, you know it just kind of secured my fandom, and I've always been a fan. But I go back to those Bill Russell days, and the stories, you know, until you read them. You know, in in the '60s, in the '50s, and the, even in the '60s, they in certain cities, and in St. Louis was one of them. They weren't black players were not allowed to stay at the same hotel as white players. We, I just wow. think, just think about that. Think about that. That doesn't blow your mind. You know, 50, 55, 60 years ago, that was happening. And I had a chance a couple of years ago to uh, conduct a panel discussion, a one-on-one discussion with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar over at the Manny Jackson Center for the Humanities dinner in Edwardsville at Hightower, a friend of mine who is uh, 
mm. as respected as anybody in, in the athletic world and the education world in St. Louis, got me involved. And it was just, it was so much fun to sit down. And I had about an hour and a half with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I found it fascinating because he lived through that. And he was part of the, the culture of the 60s of the black athlete and, and with Jim Brown. And he was 20, 21 years old when he was thrust into positions like that. Uh, with much older men, and his perspective on it is very interesting. So I'm 55 years old. In my lifetime or just before it, there were professional athletes in this country touring the country as some of the wealthiest people and most respected people in America that were not allowed to eat at a, eat at a place where white people were eating or stay at a hotel where white people were staying. When you think about that, you go, you just have to you, you shake your head. So it, it, it took people it's like Martin Luther King to change, and, and there's still more work to be done, obviously. Yeah, and really that kind of runs into the next thing I want to discuss. And really, one of the best movies that I saw this year was If Beale Street Could Talk. And that and that really deals with, you know, not just racism, but racial profiling. Because in the movie, there's a young couple, and they're, they want to have start a life together. They want to get a house. They have jobs. And uh, her, the, the, the boyfriend is a victim of racial profiling in, in a and an assault case, and he gets put in jail. And the whole movie is his young wife or fiance trying to get him out of jail. And I wrote the first line in my review, Steve, was I, I in my it had nothing to do really with the movie. The plot. I just said if I could do if I had a superpower, I would go back in time and eliminate racism from the world. And and I think that the whole world, even the next like 50 years, as you just said, would be so much better if we took that away. And that 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 was how. I viewed this movie and really going out from that discussion into this, what are some, uh, what are some of the better movies you saw this year? What, what, what's the last one that really kind of uh, either made you laugh or knocked you down emotionally? Well, uh, even before you asked me that question, I was going to tell you, I saw a great movie this year, uh, last year in December called Green Book and yeah. the performances by Viggo Mortensen and also by Mahersha Ali, who I'm also enjoying in True Detective right now on HBO. He's been yes, yes. mesmerizing so He's far. been three actor. episodes. We watched it again last night. Um, but it's it's. I think that's a movie that needs to be seen. There's a great message there. That was 1962. It was at the height of what we were talking about in the South. Um, and the just what what you and I maybe grew up just taking for granted wasn't the case. And uh, I thought it was a great movie. No, no. I really enjoyed it. And I think the acting performances by both Mortensen and Ali were just fantastic. So I was glad to see they were nominated the Golden Globes. I think they're also uh, going to be nominated or have been for the uh, Oscars. And I hope they get some consideration because I enjoyed that movie very much. And really, for that movie, I think, you know, Peter Farrelly doing it, you know, who did There's Something About Mary. I mean, that's like if I had that blindfold and look at five names I would never think that he could do that movie but I think it's his touch on it that made it so funny and I think the humor in it helped kind of uh, balance out the very dramatic racial tension but how about Viggo Mortensen doing uh, perfecting that accent I mean just the physical uh, acting he did I think that's just I mean the guy doesn't work enough, but I think that's for a reason. But I think he's one of the more underrated guys. I know Daniel Day-Lewis, Christian Bale, who basically should own a piece of Dick Cheney's uh, birth certificate after that role in Vice. But Neil Mortensen, I don't, don't you think he kind of gets forgotten about as far as Hollywood's great actors? Yeah, I don't think he'd be on that list, many people's list, but I think he does a great job. And it certainly it – was, it was an enjoyable role, and I we – 
uh, I saw it with my mom. Uh, my mom, geez, that's a Freudian slip. I saw it with my wife and her mom, and um, we all three walked out and said, "Wow, what a what a terrific movie! What a good movie!" So, and also when you talk about movies, like uh, you know, there's everybody has a movie that they can, if it comes on, if they're being productive or not, the next two hours are pretty much gone. For me, there's a lot of them. I mean, there's one of my favorite films of all time is Heat with Pacino and De Niro. Then there's Goodfellas. But what are a couple of those movies where if you're just sitting there working, getting ready for the news, doing a story, and this comes on, you go, oh, this is going to be a bad afternoon because I'm about ready to just put the feet up and enjoy this. What are some of those movies for you? Well, uh, I would say the top two would be the Godfather and Godfather Two. Um, I'm also oh, yeah, enjoy. Yeah. Uh, also, your Goodfellas Casino. Always been kind of intrigued by the the mob mafia mentality. But um, you know, I'm a I'm a meat and potatoes, shoot 'em up uh, drama kind of guy. I thought The Departed with Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. was fantastic. If you're talking about sports movies, um, you know, Hoosiers I've seen about 80 times. That's not a, much of an exaggeration. Oh, yeah. It's my all-time favorite sports movie. The second one would be Miracle. Um, I'm not really into a lot into fiction. I, I love reading history. I love reading about true events or seeing reenactments of true events. And, and in, in, in the Hoosiers' case, that happened in Indiana. Miracle we know happened, and I thought it was a, a brilliant move to use college players. Because the other thing about sports movies, I don't like sports movies in which I have to pretend that I'll give you an example. Bull Durham. I know everybody loves Bull Durham. I've never really been a big fan. <laughs> I know I'm the weird one. I know I'm the oddball in this one. Oh, that's but okay. No, Tim, Robbins looked no, Tim Robbins looked no more like a phenom pitcher than somebody who's never picked up a baseball before. Um, I th- that's why I love the believability of Miracle, those kids. And I thought Kurt Russell nailed her Brooks. He was fantastic. Other sports movies, oh, Rocky. The, the original Rocky was unbelievable. I still watch it. It was on the other night. I was up later, and I should have been watching that. And then um, – that's the original longest, the original longest yard for me. And again, Burt Reynolds was a football player himself. We had, they had guys like Ray Nitschke and Joe Cap in the movie too. So those are some of my favorite sports movies. But I, I like the real, the realism of guys who actually look like they were athletes. If you want to play an athlete, then look like you're an athlete. Exactly, and I, I think the the fascinating thing with 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 Creed two and Creed coming out is that you know I love watching Stallone talk about how he got Rocky, how he walked in. And he, I think he was he was auditioning for a different part. And then when he didn't, he, after he got done auditioning, he said, hey, I have this uh, script. And he was living, I think, in a car with, 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 with the dog, the dog that played actually his dog in Rocky. And I've always thought that was an inspirational movie. I have the quote from Rocky Balboa I'm, I'm behind me on my wall. But I think, you know, in a way, Stallone, was Rocky for me. And I, I always kind of thought that he was the million to one shot. The producers of Rocky didn't want to cast him as Rocky. They wanted to take his script and just do whatever they want with it. But every time I watch that movie, I just get inspired because he was a guy that didn't have any money, didn't have any, didn't really support, but he just created a, a movie that's been living on for just about 40 years. And I just think that I, that movie and, and that, that message is always just so powerful with how Stallone really made his legend. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing for me in that movie is the performance of Burgess Meredith. I thought he was 
priceless. Oh, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. So believable. So absolutely believable. But I'm old enough to remember Burgess Meredith and the old Batman series and going back to when, <laughs> yeah. you know, he was, uh, you know, a middle-aged younger rock. guy watching movies and stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, I just think uh, Rocky's a classic, and I thought Burgess Meredith's performance in there is unbelievable. Well, uh, you know, we're, we're winding down, but I do want to talk. Well, we're talking, of course, with Steve Savard, KMOV news anchor, former sports guy, former voice. For me, I mean, I still remember driving around and listening to you and DeMarco do those games, man. And, of course, you know, football. I mean, I, I, I put baseball and hockey as my one and two, but you two, and I'll say this, you two made football. I mean, you, you made that must-listen material. I, I actually would listen, drive in the car instead of watch the TV. Let's put it that way. I appreciate that's that. that. Thanks, but here. well, yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of a lot of games were a lot of years in those eleven that eleven year span that uh, you might want to avert your eyes from watching the television. It wasn't good for you, but um, <laughs> as, as much fun as I had with D Far for seven years, I just wish we could have had a couple of playoff seasons in some of those years that uh, Jack Snow and I had together because it it was a great partnership. But we uh, we unfortunately called. Well, at the end it wasn't that bad. I know seven and nine has become a kind of a uh, a running joke, but the uh, truth is the last yeah. 11 years, 7 and I were the glory years. At least the Rams were competitive. I, I remember all too well the 1 and 15s, the 2 and 14s, and the 3 and 13s. So I had fun, 16 yeah, years. Yeah. I was blessed to do it. I was blessed to do it, but it would have been nice to uh, have a few more winners down the road. Yeah, but I, I, and I will say that even, you know, even I think when you have a, a rough team, if you have a couple of good guys that are just at least making the action kind of Interesting, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I always kind of, I, I always like driving around on a Sunday. Uh, you know, my 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 parents then, and then my wife would go, "What are you still doing in that car?" And I, I'd just be going up and down our street. But uh, it, it was great. But I, you know, I have to ask about your colleague, Mr. Doug Vaughn, because every time Steve he puts on a rant, I, I usually again I have to stop in my car and watch it. How is it working next to this? What people, what, what some people would call, on a, on a certain morning show, a sex symbol, and then also just kind of a, a raging maniac at times, but also one of the most professional guys on the planet. How how is Doug Vaughn behind the scenes? Uh, he's a pain in everyone's butt. I mean, what, you know, he, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, well, I, you know, he and I worked together closely for 18 years in sports, and we've been. It, you know, we've, we've been colleagues here at Channel 4 now for 25 years. He's the only one with more seniority than I have in the in the news department. I think his is 31. I'm at 25. But Doug's one of the – I recognized this early on. It's one of the reasons why I think we got along so well. I came in here to um, to succeed Zip Rezepa as the sports director, and I realized early on that, you know, had Doug's – his life been in a different spot, and you know, I had kids, small kids to raise, and he did my work at nights, the, the job would have been his. And I, I recognized early on that – there was nothing I was going to tell him about doing. He was already he was better than I was when I got here. He's still better than I am. He's a natural he's a natural storyteller. He's very gifted. He has a lightning quick sense of humor. And you know, the only the only the only the only chink in the armor here is that you know, the glass is usually half empty with Doug. He's more well adjusted than he wants you to believe, but you know, the glass is the glass is perpetually half empty and not half full. <laughs> but um, you know, life is always kicking him in the groin, so to speak, as as Doug would describe it. But uh no, he's a great asset here. We've had a lot of laughs over the years and I think one of the reasons we also got along is, you know, we, we at one time I had a six member sports department. 
Well, that was blasted down to just uh, whittled away to just two of us. For the last four or five years, I was in sports. I was one foot in sports, one foot in news before I made the full-time transition. But one of the reasons we got along so well is that we, we just we had similar work ethics. We just didn't call in sick. We didn't take days off because we knew that was going to screw up the other guy's schedule, and we may not recover from it for two or three days. So we got along for a number of reasons, um, like to have fun. If you can't laugh around Doug, then you don't have much of a sense of humor. But we also believed that we were paid to do our job, and we took it seriously, and, and we didn't we didn't shirk our responsibilities, even if it meant working eight or nine or ten straight days. So, yeah, no, it's it's been one of the highlights here. I, I've had a lot of highlights here, but, you know, working with Doug, and, and I'm I'm with you, I kind of look forward to that Friday night rant. Because, because <laughs> what you're hearing on the air, I've heard behind the scenes for 25 years now. <laughs> I just I, and it's only something that I think we all want to rant about. We just don't know how to put it into words. It, it, it's they're in there formulating, you know, the woods up there and our head burning, but we just can't put it into words. What Doug can, uh, but uh, it, it's great. And you know, and like I said, you know, you, you guys do a good job. And uh, and, and I, I like the fact that and I told you this the other day on Facebook that you're, you know, the, the candid nature where. You know, not a lot of guys can take shots at themselves. Even even in today's age of self-deprecation being kind of a tool more than a, a holdback. You know, you you know, like when you had that picture of you yawning, you're like, yeah, this is. I'm I'm going to put this up on social media and just share it. Not a lot of people do that. That that's kind of. I found that to be kind of endearing and kind of great. Even if it, you know you're poking fun at yourself, not a lot of people do that. Do you think people need to do that more? Poke fun at themselves, have a little sense of humor, like Doug would suggest. I, I I don't know. I think that the people I get along with best would and do when it's when it's uh, appropriate. I was just raised. Uh, my mother, one of the few, one of the tenets my mother instilled in me was, you know, be proud of who you are, but don't be impressed by who you are. You know, don't don't ever think that. And, and my mother could keep you as humble as anybody along the road. <laughs> if you ever thought maybe you were getting too big for the bridges when I was a kid, she'd she'd bring you back down to earth. But that always stuck with me. And you know what? Here's the thing. I've always thought when you have a mistake on the air, why not acknowledge it? Why not? People at home are smart. Don't treat them like they're stupid. You know, if if you yeah. do something that and then apologize for it, or I don't think this is one of those ones where anybody was offended, but you don't see somebody get busted. I've been on the air for 30 years, and it was really bad timing by me. I thought I had five more seconds for us back on the air. I didn't. I got busted, and so why not acknowledge it and have fun with it? That's my philosophy. And you know, there's certain stories and, and there's certain times where you can't cut loose and have fun in the job I have, but when you can, why not? And um, so the day that I can't ever have any fun in my job, I'll find something else to do. That's right. Well, well Steve, I don't want to take any more of your time, man. I, I appreciate you coming on the dose and, you know, a little bit, uh, I could say, familiar line of questioning, but also some fun stuff. Uh, we'll have to do this again and hopefully be discussing some uh, some good Cardinal stuff, some better blues stuff and movies. I always like talking movies about you. I need to have you on where we just discuss movies for the whole 30 minutes. But uh, right, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks for the kind words. I, anytime I can help, I'll do it. Thanks, Dan. All right, man. You have a good day. That was Steve Savard, KMOV news anchor. I mean, again, he, when I was growing up, he was a sports guy. And, of course, he was the voice of the Rams for several years with DeMarco Farr. Uh, again, like he said, should have been so many more years. I mean, I, I, I imagine this is, this is what I do before we kind of run out, officially run out of time. We, ran out, we, we went off the air at about 
four o'clock, but this is what I do. I think about, you know, this Rams Patriots Super Bowl. What if Steve Savard was calling it? You know, that, that that's kind of what I do. So tough luck. That's life for you. I think every, every time you think about the Rams leaving, it's, it's kind of almost a, kind of a, a picturesque, picturesque kind of a version of what life is. It's not fair. You get stuff taken away from you. There's usually some stuff you can't control. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there, there's some betrayal, but you got to look at what you have. And what we do have is Savard still doing the news. You know, Doug Vaughn's still ranting. And we still have uh, Cardinals and, and Blues. I mean, maybe it might have some soccer, some XFL coming. Some, you know, some more like grunge rock football is what I'll call it. And a lot of good stuff coming, but I, I appreciate Steve coming on. Uh, this is kind of like my little uh, preemptive podcast before I get the real thing fired up and get like, you know, the pod bean and the, the real stuff going on. I use blog talk radio here on the dose of buffer. I want to say there will be a shareable link that I will put up on the social medias tonight. And there will be, it'll go on iTunes here in a few hours uh, the audio, of course, is not the greatest. It's not crisp like a Howard Stern podcast or a Bill Burr. But you know what? We're, we're always trying to get better, and one day it will be completely crisp. But I don't think anybody really wants to hear my voice in complete, you know, you know, uh, limitless or perfect sound. So a little bit more of a B-movie role here. But appreciate Steve coming on. It will be on iTunes under a dose of buffa. There will be a shareable link that I'll put on Facebook and Twitter, which you can follow me at at Bub82. You can follow Steve at Steve Savard, K-M-O-V. I suggest you do. He puts a lot of good stuff up. He's on Facebook at Steve Savard. I think he also has a Steve Savard, K-M-O-V Facebook page as well. So give him a follow. Give him a like. Gosh, then follow, like, unfriend, friend him. Uh, but thanks for listening. And, again, I may do one of these next week, tomorrow, in a month. It's just whenever I have somebody I want to talk to and maybe not, you know, transcribe for an interview or, you know, put it up on KSDK. Obviously, I couldn't interview Steve Savard for KSDK, but I wanted to get on uh, a conversation with him and, you know, dose of buff on blog talk. So thanks for listening and have a good day, a good holiday.